0: Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, we thank you that you have called us again to this house of prayer and praise to give you the glory. We thank you for the many ways you speak to us, especially through your word. And we pray now, Lord, that as we reflect upon it, your Spirit would guide and lead us into a right understanding that would burst forth from us with the fruit of faithful living. This we ask in the precious name of you who are the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. So yeah, I'm going to start my sermon today by just reflecting with you a little bit on the life I lived growing up. I grew up on a small residential road that wended its way between Hershey and Harrisburg, um, Rural Route Number Three. I was I was Box 106 until 1994 when they finally brought in 911 and we actually got a road name, Pine Hill Road. It was. A marvelous way to grow up but very different from what my kids have experienced. Um, you know we had four, count them four, television stations. <laughs> ABC, NBC, CBS and when you were desperate PBS. <laughs> Actually in our house it wasn't when you were desperate I was a complete junkie for watching documentaries. So. <laughs> um, You know, my kids are used to not only lots more stations than that, but being able to stream on demand whatever it is they want to watch. You want to watch a whole season of The Office in one sitting? By all means. My kids actually spend $8 a month of their own lawn mowing money to watch television from Japan in translation or in subtitles because that's some of their favorite stuff. It's just a completely different world. (laughs) And as for video games, that was very different. Um, My my parents were not what you would call early adopters when it came to video games. Our friends had Pong for years before a video game ever showed up in our household. We finally convinced my parents to buy um, an Atari 2600. If you remember Pac-Man on Atari 2600, Pac-Man did not look like a circle. He was kind of a strange-looking little rectangle that had two positions, mouth open, mouth closed, and no animation in between. And um, even when we got it, we were only allowed to spend one hour a day. Video games today are completely different. I'm amazed when I go into Best Buy and see what's even available these completely immersive environments I spent I I was at an online conference for people doing church in the virtual sphere setting up churches in what are called massive multiplayer online games these are environments where 17 million people are interacting with one another in what is a very realistic looking world we were allowed one hour a day on our Atari 2600 when it came into the house And it was very different because we had other things my mom expected us to be doing. Instead of learning how to drive Mario Kart really, really well or play Grand Theft Auto and drive some souped-up thing, we had bicycles outside. (laughs) And those bicycles were interesting because we put them together out of parts. We went to the local junk um, junk junkyard and... We'd pay them a dollar and they'd let us take out a set of handlebars or some pedals and then we would put them together with as much torque as a 12-year-old can muster on those screws. And instead of being able to round a virtual turn, we would take them out on the, the tracks, the tractor trails, on the 500 acre farms that surrounded our road. And um, although there is an adrenaline rush in being able to make a turn properly in Mario Kart, it's not quite the same as the adrenaline rush of wondering when you hit that gully that you were planning to use as a ramp, wondering whether your bicycle would hold together. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still a great way to grow up and, and oh the boys in our neighborhood there were ladies too but mostly the girls were all a little younger down near my youngest brother's age in my age group it was all boys and we got into all the kind of trouble you would expect a bunch of boys to be able to do, especially when Mr. Plouse gave us free run of his 500 acres as long as we let him know if somebody was illegally trapping on his property. We would play football, and, in fact baseball, whatever it was, the, the ride home on the school bus was always one big powwow about whose house we're meeting at and what were we going to do that afternoon. Sure, we had our fights and our little rivalries. We had a couple scraps, a couple little, maybe a bloody nose or a black eye, but we always shook hands and made up because there was something about being in the same neighborhood that was more important, more important than the little rivalries we had back and forth. And we always settled our issues down. And the other thing I remember about growing up that I have felt absent from my life for a long time is solitude. I used to take walks in the forest without a cell phone. (laughs) When I took my dog for a one-hour walk, there was nothing to interrupt my thoughts but my thoughts. (laughs) Whatever I was going on in my life, I could start to pull the pieces together and think them through but even when I was alone, I was part of this vast web of connections in the neighborhood. We were, I was, I was alone, but I wasn't lonely. It was a beautiful thing. In fact, even despite the fact we were a nine-year-old, we were nine boys and you know, getting into our teenage years, no one ever really misbehaved in the neighborhood because it didn't matter how far in the neighborhood away you were from your home. If you misbehaved up there, I guarantee the news was getting home before you did. We looked out for each other. We were connected in profound ways. And even when you were taking one of those walks and thinking about something, you were certain that no one else in your neighborhood would understand you were going through... You knew that if they had found out it wouldn't mean ostracism. It wouldn't mean being cancelled because your relationships with one another were more important than anything that might separate you. You were connected in a way that, in a way that was more important than the things that disconnected you. Connection Connection is what today's gospel reading is all about. This particular section of John 16 has been taken a lot of wacky different directions by preachers over the years. But if you look at what Jesus is talking about, he's just bouncing off of his prediction of the coming resurrection after his crucifixion when he says, in that day. So he means, on the day I'm resurrected... You're not going to ask anything of me because on the day I'm resurrected, you'll have everything from me. And most of all, what you're going to have is this, a connection with God the Father. See, ever since the garden and the sin of our first parents God had to remove Himself at a distance from humanity because God's holiness is a destructive thing of sin. It burns sin away. And when we're married to our sin, God needs to protect us from His holiness. But now, through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus, our relationship with God is restored. And so, Jesus says to us, not that you're going to be just connected. Like, you won't need to ask, in my, ask me and I'll ask God for you. You're going to ask in my name. But the Father loves you. And you'll be able to talk to Him yourself. The distance will no longer be there. In fact, when Jesus teaches His disciples to pray, He doesn't say to them... Here's how I want you to pray. Jesus, ask your Father on my behalf. No, you're going you're to pray like this Our Father who art in heaven. The connection that was severed between the Father and us is now restored because we are in Christ. And so it is that we pray to the Father through the Son in the Spirit. Our connection restored with God. Because our connection not only with God was broken in that but by our sin our connection is broken with one another. We live in a culture that with all the ways we have to connect with one another that I didn't possibly imagine when I was a kid is experiencing an epidemic of loneliness. This week I was listening to Dr. Matthew Sleeth talk about this. He's one of those underachievers with two PhDs. You know, after years of serving as an emergency medical physician, he got a PhD in theology and now writes theology books, and he was reflecting about the loneliness epidemic in our culture. And he said, at this moment in history, the suicide rate in our culture is the same as it was at the peak of the Great Depression. About 14 and a half people for every 100,000 people. He said, but that, that number doesn't tell the whole story. Because in 1939 or 38, if you attempted suicide, you usually succeeded. If you compare the numbers of people attempting suicide to the numbers attempting suicide in our culture at this moment... It's closer to 300 out of every 100,000. 20 times the rate of attempted suicide at this moment in our history as during the Great Depression. The reason why the the, the numbers don't show the same way on the, the actually accomplishing death by suicide is that usually someone will find you with one of those cell phones and cell phones have 911 built in. And when the ambulance arrives, it is all kind of stuff built in to reverse almost every poison. To, con- to control almost any kind of traumatic injury that didn't cause instant death. And so many more people are surviving their attempts than did in the 30s. But the despair that the loneliness in our culture is creating is something for which Jesus came to remedy. For our connection with God the Father means that even when we feel abandoned by the world, we can never truly be lonely. Jesus says this to his disciples. says, you will abandon me soon, but don't worry, I'm never really alone. The Father is always with me. And we, through Christ, are always with the Father. And the whole purpose of the life of prayer and discipleship is to learn to experience that connection as a living connection so that we might never feel lonely. And the reason we don't feel lonely is twofold. First, that connection is truly alive. And because we're surrounded by others who have that same connection. You know, in the early church they invented a word, consanguinity. You probably only know it if you had a vocabulary list when you were in middle school that you had it on there because we don't use it much in modern English. But the word means with blood. And it was invented for the fellowship of believers because our connection to each other was forged with the blood of Christ and our connection with one another is to be even closer than our connection with our families of origin. So we can never feel alone But when I'm going through my moment of despair, my brothers and sisters in Christ leap in to help me and when they're going through theirs, I leap in to help them. Our relationship with each other is to be reflective of our relationship with the Father, through whom we are directly connected. But our sense of connection with God, especially in the midst of the busyness that those little devices cause, can atrophy. We can have a sense that we're alone. Pastor Ken Klaus of the Lutheran Hour told a story, it's a true story, of a hospital in the Midwest who during a routine inspection discovered something. They were inspecting their emergency uh, water system, their, their fire suppression system, and they discovered that the entire system was in perfect working order. Not one thing needed to be replaced. Every nozzle, every pipe, was in perfect working order. But the water supply from the city ended four foot beyond the foundation of the hospital and had never been connected. They had been relying on an emergency system for 35 years that was missing its primary connection. The Lord needs to be our primary connection so that we can be empowered to live lives but make sure that no one in our midst is lonely. We're called to do life together because our Lord has chosen to do life with us. This is what the Son came for. To reconnect us with the Father. And now that we are connected, we need to learn to live in that relationship until we feel the water flowing through us of the power of the Spirit and that can flow forth into each other's lives a balm for the wounds of this world. For although in this world we will have tribulation, as Jesus said, we should take heart, for He has overcome the world. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us, reconnected the main line, reconnected us to the Father. Lord, we pray that you would teach us in our prayer lives, in our discipleship, through your word and through our fellowship with other believers, we would learn how to experience that living connection. You would learn to pursue holiness that your life might flow in and through us that we might never be lonely but instead speak into the loneliness of others and help alleviate that worst of tribulations for you have overcome the world. Overcome the world in us, O Lord. This we pray in Jesus name. Amen Be thou my vision, O word of my heart. You're sleeping, that presence, my light.